Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, our next speaker probably needs no introduction, but I shall introduce him anyhow. Uh, many of you know Wayne, um, one of the principals of Jenison, along with Jackie. Um, I just asked Wayne how he'd be like to, or how he would like to be introduced, and he said, "Just me." And I think that's probably one of the characteristics that most um, resonates with me with Wayne. Very unassuming, very capable, gets down, does what's needed to do, and. Um, over the years has developed a brilliant vision of a great Australian product that I think um, Australia should be suitably proud of. And certainly the Coast Coast region, where we're from, um, are very proud of the achievements of Janison. Now this is a session that you're all, uh, I think, waiting for by the sounds of it, which is uh, to do with what are the, some of the future directions of the product. So without further ado, we'll hand over to Wayne. And I'm sure there's going to be heaps of questions at the end of this one. So okay. make sure you leave yourself lots of question time. Okay. Thanks very much, Greg. Uh, well, I guess first off, thank you all for coming today. It's um, marvellous to see so many people here. It's marvellous to have, be, have a chance to host you in um, Coffs, Coffs Harbour. Um, someone said to me last night, actually, you know, looking around, I guess, at the tables, did we actually imagine that this could happen or this would happen and when we first started the company? And there's quite a few people here today who were with us right at the very beginning. I mean, there's some people here who attended the very first training course that we ran back in, I'm not sure when, but I think it was in the 98 or something like that. Um, and so and we call those our garage days because at that point in time, the company was in a little garage in Tamworth. And Sorry, I get a bit emotional about these things. Um, it's been a long process for us, so... I'm glad that we've been able to get to this point and I'm glad that um, you come here today and you know, I just want to say thank you to everybody for being here and, um, and thank you to the team that we have that supports us at Jenison. There's some fabulous staff and it's great to have them stand behind us and provide the support that they do. So I'm going to have to start talking about something, otherwise it's going to be a lot, lot more um, very weird sort of presentation. Okay, um, our directions, I guess. One of the things that we've been thinking about for a long time is this concept of seamless learning, and that's been driving us for the last couple of years. It's been, it's been a concept that um, we're starting to really believe in as far as um, how we can see our product develop and and what it's going to become. And what do we think seamless learning is about? Well, I guess it's about making learning a, a real easy part of what people are doing in terms of their organisation. And there's lots of different organisations here. There's organisations who have learning as really a primary function of who, what they do, and there's other organisations where learning is really only a small part of what they do. Um, but what we have seen with, with, with people trying to take on online learning is that there's lots of barriers, there's lots of problems. Um, Barry alluded to some of, the, some of those issues in the, in the first presentation and some of the reasons why we've seen some failures up to now. Um, and our vision really is that we can provide some sort of way in which we can integrate learning seamlessly into your organisation, regardless of how integral it already is as part of the organisation's um, um, ethos, if you like. So there are really, in our, in our ideas, there are four 
components to seamless learning that we think are fairly important. Um, portal applications, which is perhaps a technical term, but really it's about being able to communicate with your, with your community, whether they be learners or whether they be people within the organisation, whether they be external clients. Very much about ways in which you can connect with people and provide um, communication, information back to those, back to those people. Systems integration is also a very important part of this process and that's really about making it possible for the data that is required for learning processes to be connected between other systems that might be running inside your organisation. And every organisation has different systems for, that have, and different requirements as far as the data that's, um, that's delivered between the learning applications and the other applications that run inside the organisation. Um, so um, integration is not a simple process from in, in any organisation and it's not the same process in every organisation. So there's lots of, lots of problems and lots of challenges with being able to provide um, ways in which you can build that sort of systems integration and make it something that's seamless, make it something that's easy, that happens without um, too much intervention. And the, and the first two speakers who got up today are actually have both implemented to some degree that sort of uh, systems integration with, in terms of being able to bring their learner information over to the learning platform and have that information automatically populate um, the, the platform so their users can log on, authenticate on there. Now that's really only some part of the story because the other side of that is going to be when those organisations start to talk about bringing information back from the platform. So there's lots more to be done in, in, that, in that area in terms of how we can make data available to, to our um, clients in a way that, that that information can come back and be used in other applications and other systems. And we, do, and we do spend a fair bit of time thinking about those things. Third in, the, uh, in this list of items is something called delivery frameworks. And I guess it's been interesting for us because um, when we first... We're not very good at naming things, I suppose you could say. Um, early on, we came up with some strange names for some of our products. But there were a couple of names that we we picked way before their time. For example, we talked about content objects in 1998, an idea that a piece of content was reusable, could be editable, could be moved and shared from one course or one module to another, um, and thought it was a really great idea. And about three years after that, people started to talk about learning objects and what, what a learning object might be. But in fact, we'd actually been been implementing learning objects as content objects for quite some time before that. And similarly, we've also been talking about frameworks for a long time, ways in which you can organise your content and deliver your content um, as a learning product. And at the moment we have two main frameworks that we use. One that's used a large amount of time and that's what we call it the course framework. Um, and another one which we call Jetty, which is a more a, a simple-to-use communication framework, which some of our customers use, but it's not 
not as popular. So the concept of delivery frameworks has got a, has got a lot of potential to, to develop in a lot more ways. There's a lot more opportunities for different types of frameworks to develop um, that support different needs for learning. And that's one area that we're very interested in and when it comes to talking a little bit more about learning design, I have a little bit more to say about that a little bit later on. Um, but we also believe that delivery frameworks shouldn't necessarily be totally driven by the learning management system. We think that whilst we can give um, our clients delivery frameworks, we don't necessarily want to dictate that these are the only frameworks that you can use. So, um, and we've done that, we've provided that sort of independence to date by saying, well, if you want to build a course with your own navigation system uh, or as a SCORM-based course, and you can do that and you can set it up in the LMS and all of the tracking and other capabilities that uh, SCORM provides can be provided within, within the, the LMS for that framework. But we would like to be able to go further than that and provide, if you like, parts of our framework management system and, um, and to be able to develop that those parts or provide those parts to our, our course developers to allow them to build their own customised courses that use, if you like, some components of, um, of, the, of our environment but also other components which are customised from their own experiences or from their own requirements. So that's certainly a goal of ours for the future is to be able to create an environment where... Um, the clients are able to have more control about the delivery framework and be able to create their own, their own delivery frameworks that build on a set of core structures that we provide as part of the learning management system. And finally, the fourth component is the actual learning objects themselves. And um, it's interesting to look at how all the different organisations approach the learning content that ends up inside courses. And as a, as a the LMS developer, we get to see such a range of content that people that people build these days, and um, and it, and judging content and judging how it performs is really quite an interesting um, <coughs> process for us because there are so many different ways in which you can you can judge content as being successful. Um, we provide a range of tools that you can embed inside embed inside learning objects to make them interactive. We've always thought that those tools were one of the best ideas inside our product. Some people agree with this, some, some people don't. Um, I guess it's one thing to think about when you're building, those, building your content and building your, your, um, your courses is, is how effective you can make those learning objects and what is making those learning objects effective. So many times we see people spend a lot of time making attractive learning objects that have very snazzy um, flash animations or very snazzy uses of graphics, but they're not really interactive and they're not really engaging. And um, it's still our firm belief that, that building engagement inside the learning objects, actually expecting the learner to... to engage and contribute to how that learning object operates is one of the sort of fundamental 
ways in which you can increase the chances of success when providing online learning. And so that's something that we, we still believe and still continue to develop our tools around. And I guess in the future now we see that there's real opportunities to build learning objects that are far more complex than what we've been able to do up to now. And so one of our focuses for the coming years is going to be ways in which we can see learning objects develop. And hopefully today I'm going to show you a couple of tools that have different uses. One, in some cases they're actually being used um, from a communication perspective, but they also can be talked about from a learning object perspective as well. And uh, I'll spend a little bit more time talking about that. So finally, in terms of all of this uh, seamless learning, we've got to be able to turn all of these, well, these four areas so that they can interoperate and so they can be extensible. So our job is to, to, our job and our responsibility is to provide you with a learning management system that can deliver all four of those areas, but also gives you the freedom and the ability to extend those, those tools to make them what you need them to be. And that's, and that's certainly what we're um, working on and how, how, what's driving our planning processes as, as we move forward. So, are we on track? Well, I, as I was just saying, I think seamless learning is really about connecting and integrating the learning systems with other business processes. Maybe as an idea I've got it wrong and I thought when I was putting these slides together I thought, well, I'd come think about this and see whether, other, whether we're seeing our organisations out there doing that. And, and it's true. I probably could look at every table and see where an organisation is doing some of that work. It's important to people to be able to integrate with, with their existing systems and the learning system. It's important to be able to provide a range of tools and a range of capabilities, not just concentrating on one particular area. So I think we are on track. I think, it, I think it's a really exciting um, development that's been taking, over the last, taking place over the last couple of years where organisations are getting ready to actually integrate learning inside their organisations. Organisations that could be educational organisations, could be other organisations. And the opportunities for online developers, the opportunities for online instruction, online teaching are, are tremendous at the moment because there really is now the ability to be able to do some of the things that we've sort of dreamt about for a long time. Is it important? Well, if, if an organisation is going to bring in online learning, I think it is absolutely important. It's absolutely important that you're able to integrate that as a, as a, a component of what you do and not something that becomes a problem for you in terms of being able to operate, having it operate inside your organisation. And again, if we look around at some of the problems that people have had with systems that they've in, that they've built or that they've bought or they've, that they've tried to integrate in there, it often comes back to the fact that it hasn't been able to be seamlessly integrated into the organisation. And, uh, you know, there's so many problems that that, that um, inability to be able to integrate causes that it can, it's a very easy point of failure, I think, uh, for, for many of those projects. 
So, so we think we're on track and, and our response to that is that we're basically spending a lot of time working in that area, thinking about how we can make our systems more flexible and how we can make them more customisable um, and, and what, that, what technologies that's going to require. Um, and so that's what's very important to us. And that could also explain, and I hope that some, in some way explains, why in terms of our product um, development, we've slowed down a little bit in terms of delivering new versions of the LMS. It's not that we don't want to deliver a new version of the LMS. Um, it's just that to be able to get to that flexibility that we've wanting, been wanting to do, we've had to go back and have a very good look at some of the technologies and strategies that we might employ um, to be able to do that. And, and in much of um, 2005, that's really what we've been doing, is working on how we can come up with a more flexible approach to um, some of the, uh, the systems that we have. So I've got a couple of slides here to talk about that and uh, discuss that. So I thought to begin with what I'd do is put a little bit of a focus on what technologies we, we are working on and, and how we see them as being a priority. Um, was basically, at the moment, there's basically two vendors that we work with. One's Macromedia uh, and one's Microsoft. Um, the Microsoft technologies are really our, most of our server back-end technologies at the moment. Some of that is a, a legacy decision on our part in that we originally used Microsoft as, a build, as, as the architecture for building our product. Um, and some of it is also that, that we believe that we're seeing some of the best innovation coming through in terms of server technologies um, from Microsoft at the moment. And I'm going to be really careful about this because I don't really want to sort of sound like I'm selling that that particular situation, but there's certain things that we believe that Microsoft are doing that are better than um, some of the other large um, technology providers. Um, and, and one of those is something called .NET, which is a new development technology um, for building applications for Windows clients, but applications for Windows web servers as well. So for the last two years, our developers have been working on learning about .NET and we've just started now to be able to introduce um, and deliver .NET applications and .NET products. So a couple of the products that we're um, releasing at this conference um, that are on your CD are actually .NET applications and .NET products. Um, there are a few others that, have already, that are already out there that different clients have. Um, and there's some real opportunities for us now with that, with that technology to be able to build better and uh, build quicker new technology. So we're really excited about the work that we've been doing in that particular area. Um, and, you know, there are other good technologies, other good de te development technologies out there um, that we could use, but, but our legacy is, has been this Microsoft technology, and so we are comfortable that we've picked something that um, is certainly as good as anything else that we, you know, that we sort of are aware of that's out there on the market at the moment. Now, one of the things that um, that technology and other technologies like IBM's, um, some of IBM's stuff and some of Sun's stuff, um, some of Apple's stuff, 
um, created something called web services. Web services is not something that belongs to any particular company. It's an open standard. Um, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to, to build an application, some of which might reside on a web server and some of it might reside somewhere else and the application uses the, the web or the HTTP protocol to communicate um, and execute some of the processes. So we have some processes running on one web server and other processes running on a client. And effectively, there's not a lot that has to be done to be able to make that happen. And that's a, that's a huge enabling um, capability for us. It means that we're able to connect disparate systems far more easily. And some of you are using that now. We've, we've implemented, I think, about four or five um, web service applications around the place um, and they're being they're certainly demonstrating how uh, flexible and capable they are. So, for example, um, Wollongong University um, student management system runs on, a, on an, a, an Apple Macintosh platform and their uh, student information is transported to the learning management system, which is in a different location, via web services. So we've got web services running written in Microsoft on our platform, web services running in, um, on, at the at UAW on an Apple platform. Um, there's a, an in, a real estate um, institute in WA who's using an Oracle platform to do the same sort of thing. Um, and uh, there's a few other clients who are doing similar sorts of things. So the opportunity to be able to <coughs> integrate and transport information between one system and another system via web service is just amazing. It's absolutely fabulous opportunities for, for doing things. But there's also going to offer up a whole range of other possibilities. Smart clients that you can run on telephones or other devices but connect back to the web and store data and information, for example, um, is, one, is one opportunity. Um, building at your own applications but accessing data that sits on the database on the web server is another opportunity. So there's, there's a whole range of tools and a whole range of opportunities that are coming into play um, that, use, can, that can use that particular um, technology. And then finally, the other technology that we're really quite excited about in, from Microsoft is, is their latest SQL database technology. So they've just released um, last week uh, their latest version of SQL Server. So we sort of held back our release of Janison Toolbox 6.22 to absolutely make sure that that was working perfectly on SQL Server 2005. Now there's not a lot of people in this room who are going to go racing out and pay Microsoft money to upgrade their SQL servers that they already paid good money for um, to SQL 2005. And we've always taken the attitude that we won't build into our products features that absolutely require the latest version of something and make you upgrade because we know as organisations that that's just not possible. You can't, we can't expect um, you know, education in New South Wales to, to magically go out next week and upgrade every SQL Server to the latest version. Um, but the, the new version of SQL Server is, is a better version. It has a lot more functionality. 
and it's about the same price as the old one, so that's, that's certainly nice. And I was <coughs> looking at some um, data that Microsoft were presenting and effectively the Microsoft um, database technology is about five times cheaper than the equivalent Oracle technology. So they already do put a fair bit of effort into keeping the price down on the database technology and hopefully they'll continue to do that. But one of the very exciting um, components in this latest release is something called SQL Express, which is, I guess, Microsoft's answer to some of the open source technologies that are um, abounding at the moment. And SQL Express is a small version, I won't say cut down, but a small version of SQL Server, which is actually free. And we've tested our application on SQL Express, and SQL Express is more than capable of driving um, small to medium implementations of our learning management system. So where organisations were having to go and buy um, a SQL server, and for some organisations that could be $10,000 or more, um, they could actually use SQL Express now as an alternative to that, and that's, and that's at no cost to their, to them in terms of setting up. So we believe that's, that's a good thing. It's not so much probably good thing for you guys because you already got those technologies there. But the opportunity to be able to provide the learning management system to, to schools who, need, who want to be able to deploy it and not need to um, buy, light, buy SQL licences is, is a pretty good one. So, that, so we're really pleased about that. Um, <clears throat> in terms of macromedia, I guess we, you know, we've all seen that Flash has become almost ubiquitous in terms of um, web content and uh, it's a, a great way of um, being able to provide um, communication back to users. We, we've been wanting to explore what we can do with Flash in terms from a programming point of view and an interface point of view for a long time. And so some of our new tools that we're going to show today are built around Flash and and the ability, some of the, some of the interesting abilities that the latest versions, later versions of Flash actually provide. Um, and so we see that as becoming a key technology as well. We're not going to replace our whole interface with, with Flash, but we certainly think that there's lots of good opportunities for being able to use that. And there's a new um, technology that's come out from Macromedia. Again, this technology was released that last week, but they did have a previous version of it. Um, it's called Media Server, and Media Server gives you the ability to deliver uh, video, either recorded video or live video, um, directly to web clients. And, and that's an enable, a very much an enabling technology. It's allowing, allowing you to start to think about ways in which you might build applications um, that are much more richer and much more interactive than what we've been able to do up to now. And so four of our new components that we're introducing this week are built around that technology. Um, like all good technologies, it does cost some money. A media, a media server, if you were to buy it and impl implement it inside your organisation, will cost you around $7,000 um, and that will provide up to 100 simultaneous connections um, and we'll be providing or hosting media servers for organisations who want to use 
uh, these new uh, communication tools as part of our hosting service provision as well. So finally, in terms of learning, te- in terms of technologies, learning technologies for us are also extremely important as well. Um, it would be, be a bit of a problem if they weren't. Um, so the, the things that we, we are concentrating on are, are learning design, the learning design standards, the QTI standards, which um, we haven't provided full support for up to now, so we, we're wanting to have full support for the QTI standards in the next release. Um, and there's a new standard that's only currently in draft form, but one that we're very interested in, which is called tools interoperability. And so we see that as perhaps the way in which we can standardise all this work that we've been doing in web services, and we've got all these different applications that we've been building for different clients, but we might actually also deliver a tools interoperability compliant set of web services as well that will work to that standard once that standard's finally released. And then there's SCORM 2004, which at the moment we, um, we don't have full support for, but we're planning to have full support for pretty soon because um, it has some of the learning design capabilities inside it as well. So our strategies are based around building skills up that match some of those technologies. So web services, flash, frameworks, media server and learning standards. We've spent this year doing that. All of our developers have been working in those areas fairly frantically um, and we've had some, I think, some really good success in some of the products that that we've been able to develop. And then also looking at meeting what we think are key needs or what our clients are telling us are key needs. It's no good us building stuff that we think is great if nobody actually wants it. So, um, And so the things that have been um, hitting us, people have been calling us, talking to us about, and I guess some of you will go, oh, yeah, I've talked talk to them about that, or maybe these are things that you haven't thought about up to now. Um, identity synchronisation, which I've already talked about a fair bit, has been a big one. Remote content, the ability to deliver content remotely. It's always been a bit of the holy grail. How do we get content out there remotely? Um, extending the communication tools. You know, that's, you, certain, there's a limit to what you can do with a static web page, but there's, you know, the sky's the limit when it comes to being able to look at what we can do with communication tools. And uh, so we've been doing a fair bit of work with that, and I think, you know, there's... We're already seeing every every year we see new ideas from people about how communication tools can be used. And, we, and if something works, it becomes popular so quickly. And we only have to look at um, blogs. I think you know if we talked about blogs three years ago, people most people didn't actually know what they are, and now you know they've become such a popular way in which um, people can communicate with each other. Um, training management tools or training management systems, being able to manage data that's not specifically related to online learning but very much connected to learning, very much connected to the way an organisation works. And finally, training, training portals and portal technology and how that we can bundle up the information about what's happening in the learning and present it back to the users. So new releases that we've um, been able to... Um, release this year um, 
uh, LMS 6.22, which is, if you've like been in development most of the year, and in fact some clients already have copies or advanced copies of that, we've been running beta copies of 6.22 for a few months and a number of our um, hosted websites are using it and some of our clients are using it as well. Um, the, the four big things, I guess, about um, 6.2.2, and there are just so many new, little features and little improvements, it was hard to um, come up with something that was sort of easy to describe. But <clears throat> basically we've done a lot of work in trying to improve the performance of how the frameworks, the communication tools and the desktop works. We've also done some work on security because we found security is becoming more and more of an issue for everyone. And we've had a few times through the year where, where we've had security issues raised and I'm happy to sort of mention that and say that, say that these are things that every organisation needs to be aware of. Because we often think about, in terms of security, we often think about, well, are we making sure that our websites are secure and are we making sure our databases are secure and have we got all the right patches on our operating systems and all of those sorts of things. But it's often the rather silly things that get under your guard. So, for example, what we found this year was that teachers were not necessarily choosing appropriate passwords for their user accounts. So, um, and we've seen a few situations where students, or rogue students you might call them, have guessed their teachers' um, accounts and stolen their identity. So it's sort of identity fraud security more than um, you know, major hacking that's causing a problem. So these guys aren't hackers. They haven't worked out how to get in and break the system or you know, replace all your web files. But what they've managed to do is come in as you, come in as you and um, mark a few tests or you know, put in a few announcements on the website, so, which is just as bad. Um, but, uh, you know, so we had to realise, we certainly went back and said, well, hang on a minute, we've got to do something about some of these things. So we've got to, give, we've got to build some tools that will allow you to be able to um, control that and, and improve that. Um, we've also built some new question types. I and mean, questions and tests have been something that a number of organisations have been driving us for improvements in that area over the year. Um, we've done more work in templates and we've got lots more ideas to go in templates in terms of being able to create content based around templates and we certainly thank the Wollongong crew for some of the, the work they've done in um, helping us with learning design templates. Um, and we're looking forward to, we've got a collaboration there that's sort of a little bit informal but not, not totally informal so we're hoping that that collaboration continues where we're able to take some of the research work and make it part of the product and that then translates for, um, for users to be able to use those, those, um, those features and, and get improvements in the way they design their, um, their content. And we've also done some work in improving and making the desktop more flexible and more, and more customisable so that you can build quite engaging and interesting um, portal front sites for your, for your learners as well. I'll pop over and um, show a little couple of features out of 6.22. Now these um, these websites are actually out on the out on the machines outside. So if you've got a moment at any time and you want to come and find out a little bit more, just grab one of the Jenison staff and they can sort of talk you through some of those environments and uh, show you what 
what they're capable of doing. Uh, this is a this is this uh, version of 6.22 is an example um, website we put together for the Defence Force in New Zealand who are currently in the middle of making a decision about which learning management system they want to want to use. Um, so, for example, they wanted one environment where uh, one learning management system implementation, but they've got the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and they've got some a joint command. And so they actually wanted, with one database, to be able to see different desktops. So we're able to hear, if you're, if you're a member of the Army, you go to that desktop. If you're a member of the Navy, you see that one. So what we've been able to provide is, is skins over the desktop. So you've now got the ability to skin the desktop. I'll just log on here. And that capability is built in directly into the customization tool. So you're able to create your own styles and have as many different styles. And then you can use a URL to just simply um, uh, indicate which skin that you want to have applied. So there's some flexibility there if you're using the product in different ways. For example, you know, if you've got a community of learners and you've got some um, communication community and, and various things, you can use the desktop in different ways to do that. But we should have mentioned too on 6.2 that we've also finally addressed one of the areas that I think we've been very, very weak in is, is in reporting. So we've added a lot more reports into 6.22 and we've put them in a, in a centralised interface now so that you can get access to reports fairly quickly. So... Um, they're all now available from the one centralised place inside the desktop. Now, the, the security issues I was talking about are something worth highlighting. I think that once people have a think about this, they might all go back to their, their versions, of their implementations and actually run these reports. What, we are, what you're allowed to do now is set password policies on, on the server. So you can control for each of your users what, um, how much, uh, what type of password they're able to use. So, for example, for a student, you might say, well, look, you know, the, the age of the password's indefinite. It can last for as long as they like. Um, it might be a minimum length of, say, four characters. Um, we don't want to have keep a history. Um, and we don't expect a strong password. A strong password is something where you have to have a mixture of alphabetic, numeric and symbol characters. So you can't just guess it as a word. Um, so for each of the categories of users, you can set a, um, a policy for the passwords. And then down here you can run a compliance report and have a look at how your passwords are in terms of the, the requirements. So here what we can see is that we've got an administrator and um, we've, we've used their initials, for example, as the password. So that's coming up as, risk, as, as a risk. So I can reset that password now so that the next time um, the user logs on, they have to, um, they'll be asked to change their password. 
So we haven't actually removed their password, but the very next time they try to log on, it'll tell them it's, it's time for you to t- change your password. Or if I, if I want to, I can um, disable the account so that um, it's no longer in use. So it's a pretty important thing. And I think, you know, if you've got your teachers out there, as I said, it's been a problem that we've seen this year that people have been guessing passwords and um, you know, more and more people are getting much more familiar with these sorts of processes, so it's something to, to keep in mind. So, so that's a couple, a couple of the features of 6.22. Um, there are two new products that we've released um, this month as well. One's called Blogs and one's called Vibe, which is our video communication tools. Now, our approach has been, because we haven't released the next big release of the LMS and we're still working on that and we expect that to come in the first half of next year, we've, what we've, we've been concentrating on trying to change the way some of our technology works and, and move it over to this more flexible development framework and more later development framework and we've managed to do that. So a number of the tools that we've been working on now for, for over a year we've been able to provide as extensions. And we see that as an interesting option for future development. We see the LMS providing the base services and us being able to provide extensions that you then plug into um, the LMS to have to do the sorts of things that you want to do. So today we've got two extensions. We've got the blogs extension, which is a free extension. We've, we've been developing that for a while and we're, we're giving that as a free extension that you can plug into the LMS and start to use blogs. Um, and Vibe, which is a, a licensed extension because there's been a lot of development work done on that, that product and there's a there's association with using the Flash communication server as well. So we'll have a quick look at what a, what the blog, how the blog extension works inside the learning management system. There's a course here called Blogs in Education. I think we, Tony put this together yesterday, but I, I gave you half an hour, did I? Is it? Yeah, so um, we just rapidly put a little course together to demonstrate what this is, and I think we'll probably make this a, we'll put it up as a, um, a download so people can download this course if they want to up from the conference website later on. Um, basically, as you can see, it's a very standard um, course framework that we've, that we've been building, a little bit of content sitting inside there. Um, and here we've got three blogs that have been just added into um, the course framework. Now this is a, a personal blog. It might take a little minute to fire up just because it's actually, it's, although it's part of the LMS, it's this totally different um, uh, technology that's now being used. So it's all integrated into the LMS, but it's running as an extension in there. Um, so this is called a user blog. So you can put a user blog in a course framework just like you can put a forum or a chat or something like that. And a user blog is a personal blog, so this one automatically is created the first time I go to that, and it's created for me. It's my blog. And I can um, create entries in here. Um, entries can have a date and a time. I can use the HTML editor. Um, And once I've put in that entry, I can save it. Um, I can make that a, a favourite. 
I can view entries based on the day date that I put that entry in um, or based on the month. I can set a whole range of options for my blog. I can change its title and its description. It's not that, unu- not that different to what some of the blogging tools that you see out in the, in the rest of the web world, but it does have some fairly um, significant teacher and student relationship components, ways in which teachers can manage the blogs and check what's actually inside a blog, ways in which you can moderate a blog so that you don't actually have stuff being printed um, that you don't want. I really need to give uh, reference to our Education Queensland people who provided us with a, with a specification of what they expected to have inside a blog and I think they've been running blogs now for about, was it four months or so over time? And it's starting to, starting to go pretty well now. So, um, um, you know, being able to, to offer that as an extra tool inside the learning management system, I think some people are going to find quite good. So, as well as personal blogs, you can have a group blog. So, a group blog, again, automatically creates if it's not um, already there for the particular group that you're working in. And so this particular one's been based around um, the development process and we can look at the various um, days in which blogs of entries have actually been, been loaded in. And then finally you can have a module or a course blog. So you can create a blog around that particular course as well. So you've got a little, you know, quite a little bit of capability to be able to extend and use um, this system inside the environment. It's all the same database that we're talking about. Um, it's just a slightly different technology that we're using in terms of this environment, um, and uh, it's looking pretty good. So, and there's a copy of that on your CDs um, that we gave out at the beginning of things. So. If you, if you, and also there's a copy of LMS 6.22 which you can use to upgrade your servers with. And so you can, once you've upgraded, you can install the blogs extension onto your servers. Just close that course down. So we're going to have a little bit of a talk about Vibe. Um, and the video and audio communication tools that are, um, are, are inside that. And so there's a range, there, there are four different tools that make up Vibe. And I might just open up the course to demonstrate that. There's a conferencing tool um, that is basically um, the ability to have a video conference or video audio conference between multiple users. Um, we've got, I've got the conference on here at the moment and um, basically the tools are totally integrated inside the LMS. Um, Tim and Wes are going to go out and do a little bit of demo. Do you want to go into conference first, guys, if you get a chance? Okay, thanks. Um, and so um, 
There's no setup between the LMS and the video conferencing tools that you need to do. They're just automatically, if you're a user in a group, um, then you automatically can have access to the video conferencing tools. So when I clicked on that button, um, and I'd, I was just automatically logged on into the video conferencing component, um, it's all totally integrated. There's no nothing that needs to be done in terms of setups for users or anything. It's all, if you like, just part of the learning management system. Um, this is online. This wears out in the foyer. There's Tim looking at the roof. Um, there you go. So, hi Tim. And he's got his audio on at the moment. Um, and uh, as you can see, when people come online, you, you see immediately when they come online in terms of the environment. And we've got a, a chat. Over, going on over in here. Um, the, what else can I say about this? This is just using Flash. There's no other software on, the, on, your, on your client. So you don't actually have an issue with rolling this out inside your organisation. It's just, it's just a Flash client on the, on, the, on the client. And on the server, it's a Macromedia Flash media server um, and the LMS, of course. And again, in the sort of tradition of the way we've dealt with communication tools in the past, um, these tools are um, based around the teacher-student relationship. So a teacher always has control of, a, of this environment and a student always doesn't, unless he, unless he puts his hand up. No, he's put his hand up. Yeah. So... Okay, we might move on to the. Um, not sure. But go and have a look at debate. Oh, there'll be a problem with the chat there on that one. We've gone. We moved over to debate. Um, and I'll show you what that environment looks like. The debating tools basically, um, I guess, <clears throat> an example where, we, where we're talking, where we, I was mentioning before about learning objects being something that we think that we're really interested in in terms of making them more, um, uh, well, sophisticated, I suppose. We see some of these tools as being learning objects, not just being communication tools. And so this one particularly is one that we're, we're, we've been working on in terms of its, um, its ability as a learning object, not just as a communication tool. So um, each of these windows over here... Uh, Julie, do you just want to let guys know to go into the debate you have? Yeah, OK. Um, ..is um, a debate window... And when they come in, on, come in live on there, they should come up live on the video screen. And I'm a convener of the debate, so I can choose who... Um, there they are. Um, I haven't put their images on. Um, I can choose who goes live to everybody. So this, this tool's designed to have as many people in the audience as you possibly want. Where's this currently currently live and could be speaking to us. Um, and then if I drag Tim over, 
that brings Tim light. So I can actually control a debating environment um, without um, having to do very, well, having to do very little in terms of um, that process. And I'm also able to record that debate as well, so that I can play that back as a as a as a true learning object at a later stage. So that's um, built in into these tools, and we're actually working on a, an, a another web application slash website that's actually going to provide this as a debating environment to schools. We haven't quite worked out the exact dimensions of what that's going to be at the moment, but our ideas are that we would really like to be able to offer that up to the to the school community in a, in a, in a global level so that we can have debates going on between students in any country or any part of Australia um, and uh, for, them, for those debates to be self-managed, if you like, students or teachers being able to create the debate, decide who's going to be in the debate, run the debate, record the debate for review and, um, and examination later on. So again, as you saw, it was integrated with inside the LMS. Just to have a quick look at what that looks like inside the learning management system, a debate is simply a content object, it's a content type. So you can have as many debates as you like inside your course and once you can have, have them as a live debate, when they're recorded you can flip them over so they're in replay mode. So when you go back to them as a piece of content, they're a piece of content that you can just watch as a learning object. Um, and we haven't done so in version one but our intention in version two of, of Vibe is to provide wherever we've done something like that is to actually provide an export tool so you can export that as a SCORM learning object as well. And uh, that's been a little, there's been a little bit more effort on the development side for us to get to that point, but we've got to that point now. The important thing there is that you might have used the LMS and the, um, the Flash Live environment to build your learning object, but once it's been built and you exported that to a um, learning object zip file, it doesn't need the LMS or the Flash Media Server anymore. It'll play as a static object, so you can import it into a course in another LMS, if you like, and it will work. <coughs> There's a, um, a whiteboard tool as well with the ability to draw do the sort of whiteboard thingies that you like to do. Um, I don't know whether you noticed here, when I'm, just have a quick watch what's going on on the screen when I first click on here, you'll notice that this little window comes up working out how it will connect. So connection is about, um, we realise that every organisation's got different issues with, with connection and so um, what we've, what we've done is spent a lot of time coming up with a way in which you can, we can optimally connect each of each user. So this tool will go through firewalls. It can use port 80 if, if it has to. It can tunnel through what's called through the HTT protocol if it has to. Um, but it does like it have its own port if possible. That's much better if that's the case. Tim, Tim's a bit of an artist. Some people, pre some people prefix that, but, you know... 
Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, the presentation tool. Which I'll just make this window up a little bit. Um, we need, I'm sure most people who are interested in some of this technology have seen some of the other tools out there. For example, this one called um, Macromedia have their own tool called Breeze. Um, and we looked at Breeze and we looked at some of the things that we were wanting to do and we thought we could build something that was Breeze-like, if you like, but had a little bit more um, of the sorts of things that we wanted to be able to do. One of the problems we think with Breeze is that it's very bandwidth dependent. It requires a fair bit of bandwidth for it to work. Um, and we know that a lot of our clients, whilst they can do little windows of audio or little windows of video, they can't do full screen video. They don't have broadband into schools or broadband into home. So our, our concept was that this canvas over here is in fact still, can still be a web page or it can be a, a whiteboard or a chat or a forum. Um, and this area over here is our flash object. So at the moment we're in live presentation mode, so anybody who came to this particular page would see me chortling up the front here. And the set of slides that we see, thanks Tim, um, up here are slides that I've configured and said are going to be in the particular place. Um, and as I click on each of these slides, it's basically driving everybody else's um, computers with, those with that particular content. And, um, and so I can do that sort of process quite easily. If I jump into config mode, um, these guys can talk here. I can actually bring up picture in picture and do question and answering between the students. So we can do that sort of thing. Move from one to the other. Oops. There's where's. Swap them around. Um, and I guess the really important thing there is the ability to record that process. So if we do recording now, I'll take where's off for a second. Doing a bit of recording, moving around the slides, and I'll bring this back on. Bit of bandwidth there going on. I'll do a stop. Now, if I come back. I can flip that over into replay mode. So that's no longer live. I've actually recorded that presentation session. And if I do a play, it will start, it's playing back what I, what I had in there before and moving from slide to slide. And I can do things like um, jump around from one slide to another as well. So that's a, that's a tool, again, a piece of content inside the learning management system. Um, fairly easy to 
to obviously put into the learning management system. As far as configurate, configuring, the teacher's got the ability to come in and work on each of those pages. Um, you've got, you can move them around. Um, you can set their properties. And you can import slides from um, PowerPoint or from a zip file of images to create your slides as well. When can you display an Excel file in the space there and work on it? At the moment, we don't have the shared uh, workspace capability. That's one thing that we're working on for the next, the next version. At the moment, that's something that, that Breeze does have, but Macromedia are not sharing that technology with their developers. So whilst they're letting Breeze people do it, they're not letting someone else do it. So we're sort of thinking about how we're going to best provide that technology. We want to, we want to do it in a way that's not going to you know, be expensive. So, but that is one of the goals, is to be able to have an application in, this, in that area and to be sharing it back to people. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, bandwidth is, it, we've tested this un, uh, under modem conditions and, and you can get basic video and audio under modem, modem conditions. Um, but the, the actual connection process that takes place is such that it actually works out what is the, what is the optimal amount of information to transmit. So when, you're, um, when you first connect up, the server actually sort of figures out how fast you can go. Uh, I've got information. So it's actually sort of, um, oh, it's, we're, not, we're not using it. We're just using the default connection there at the moment. If I do. Here it's sort of working. Oh, I have to change the settings. But it does actually, does actually sort of control itself in terms of what, how much information it can push through based on the speed of your line. So it's pretty, pretty good in terms of that. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, that's done through here. You can, you can limit the amount of information. So you can bring that back to dial-up mode. So if we take that back to dial, that will the quality will be slightly less on the screen. There's about, depends on the network and the, 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 um, the network transients in terms of um, uh, the organisation and the, where the server's located. We've seen about three seconds, three, three to five seconds delay um, on most of the testing that we've done. And we, there's not a lot we can do about that. Um, so it does, but it does depend really very much on the on the network that you're using. So you know, where you've got schools and they're travelling through proxy servers and going through all sorts of firewalls before they actually get outside, um, there's not a lot you can do about it. You certainly see a big difference if you're able to open the, the particular port up so that you don't go through those firewalls. And a few of the places where we've tested it, we've been able to do that. I know, in for example, in in South. Australia, that port is open on a, in a lot of places, so yeah, so it's much better in that in those scenarios. Um, those those 
Yeah, sorry. How do how do we upload slides in that in that scenario? Um, well, that slide there is actually um, editable. I'm not seeing. I'm not. There should be an edit link there. I'm not. I mustn't have the right um, um, configuration settings. I don't know why I can't see that. Yeah, but um, that's the. I'm able to, normally able just to edit that page as a normal um, edit document, but I also can just simply upload a slide as well as an image or from PowerPoint as well. Once PowerPoint's not in, not installed on this particular server, so I'm not able to do that. But um, but the slides are fa fairly easy to build yourself, and you can build them as web pages and edit them directly in the web browser. So that's a few of the new bits. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that, Angie. Nothing like having a help desk. I'm going to take that out for a minute. Um, where am I going for time? Ten minutes. Gosh. If I keep talking, no one's going to ask me any questions. Um, I'm, I've got another session tomorrow for about half an hour and I haven't worked out what it was actually going to be about, so that could end up being a question and answer session too. So um, that could work for us. Um, things that are coming, they're on the CD, those, those bits. Things that are coming around the corner. Um, LMS 7 is still around the corner, but it will be here next year. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't been singled out or anything. We'll find, we'll find you a CD. Um, so in, in LMS 7, you'll see support for version content, the ability to be able to create, when you're creating your content, to have multiple versions of that content and to be able to switch between them. Um, you'll have, there'll be support for subgroups and workgroups, which means that you can build subgroups of students inside your course that go off and do different things. And um, I'm, I'm still really interested in you know, some of these ideas about profiling students as well. So we might be, we, we're interested in framework improvements in terms of design, process and sequence. We've already done some um, improvements, but it sounds like won't we need to do some more in terms of profiling. So we're keen to be able to allow you to design your framework and then only show certain items inside the framework depending on which profile that you might be in as well. Um, and there are tests, more improvements to tests, the ability to create sections inside tests, which means that you can put different controls on different sections. So you can have one section that will take, must be completed in 30 minutes. You can have another section that, you know, you have to complete five questions out of this group of 10 and you can have another section that does something else entirely different. Um, so they're they're the, main, they're the main things that I could think of this morning, early this morning on LMS 7. Um, the training management extensions will be completed this year, the first version of those, and they'll be available. Um, I'm not going to get a chance to demonstrate those. Um, just, uh, I can just jump in quickly and show you what they look like. Um, what, what they allow you to do is map organisational structures to the LMS and support competency-based tracking 
and also support evidence portfolios and assessments. So it's about being able to link um, some of those more training-oriented aspects that, you, that people want to do, and there are some you know, good training management systems out there, but this will be totally integrated in with the learning management system as well. One of our goals is, we may not make it on the first release, but certainly our goal is to try and find a way in which we can map online learning events to skills development. So in other words, we want to be able to say, if you've done this online course, then that translates to being competent at this particular skill or this group of skills or half of these skills. Or if you did that course, that course and that course, then you got that skill. So you see where the complexity might come into some of that stuff. That looks like... There's, there's two interfaces for this. One's finished, the other's not on the server at the moment. So the guys, again, are happy to show you some of this stuff if you've got interest in training manager information. Here we're looking at our organisational structure. You can actually have multiple organisations. So the one system can manage organisational structure for many organisations. You've got your position descriptions. Um, you can have a hierarchy of positions in there. You can have your organisational units and you can um, list and, and um, add users into a particular area. I don't know whether we've got anyone in there at the moment. But we've got Mick and Trish in there. Um, so you've got the ability to, to identify which organisational unit each person um, belongs to, what position they're doing, um, and then you can generate reports based around all of that information and structure. And then uh, finally down here you can create training event. Um, sorry, in the positions descriptions, you can set uh, skill ref requisites. So you can say these, these are the requisites for that particular um, position and they're competencies that that particular person must, um, must have or optionally have. Um, and you can create training events um, where you basically indicate that you're running an event and put in the people who are doing that event and then assign the skills that, that event's going to cover and then um, provide the assessment or provide the um, recording of those, the outcomes of that event as well. Um, we can flip between training and competency. And this is, some of you may have seen this before, but this, this has been in there for a little while, but we've been hiding it. Um, this, is the, um, this is the competency framework, and it's based around the ANTA competency framework. So you can have training packages. Inside a training package, you can have a qualification. Um, inside each of the qualifications, you can have specialisations. And then you can have your competencies. Inside your competency, you'll have your elements and perhaps your ranges and your levels. And I've managed to find a competency that has none of those. That's good, isn't it? One of them has, so believe me. <laughs> Top one? Oh, okay, you've got elements in that one?
mind. We'll find them for you and show you outside. Um, but, so, but it's a very, as you can see, there's a lot of data. That, you know, someone's going to spend a lot of time putting data in here. Um, you can export and import this stuff out to via XML as well. So if anybody does one of the training packages, can you put your hand up so we all can get it? Because it takes ages to put all that information in. Um, so as I said, it's built around those, the whole concept's built around the standards. So, so we go right down to performance criteria. So for a particular, on a particular element, you can set performance criteria. So that's what the training management extensions are going to provide. Um, the portal, um, well, the portal is based around a um, portal is based around something called an open source portal called .NET New, and in fact, our conference portal is an implementation of, of that of that environment. Now we haven't put all of the uh, the uh, courses in there at the moment, and I can't remember my I can't remember an admin logon, but bas basically, this is totally customizable. All of this information in here um, is dynamic and changeable, and it's built around the open source portal. What we're providing inside our in our release is that portal customized to the Jenison identity system. So in other words, if you've got a, a logon in our database, you'll be able to log into that open source portal. You'll be able to configure, if you've got rights, you'll be able to configure up pages and change pages. Um, and we're providing a, a range of LMS-specific modules that can be plugged into the portal. Things like a list of announcements. So some of the things that you sometimes see in the desktop available in that open source portal. Or a list of courses that I'm logged into, I'm a member of. So I can use that portal environment as an alternative way to go to a particular course. So it's going to give a lot of people a lot of flexibility. That particular environment can be skinned to look whatever, in whatever way you want it to look. Um, and as I said, the navigation structure and the content is just totally up to you. You can do whatever you want there. So again, that's coming back to that, that beginning that I uh, had where I was talking about how we're wanting to make provide more flexibility and extensibility. We see this is one way in which we can connect with the open source community. Our our modules, all the modules that we build for that, will be provided as open source modules. You'll have the full source for those. So if you want to change the way they work, it's up to you. You can do that. Um, if you want to build new ones, that's great. And if you want to share them with other people, that's even better. Um, I'm going two minutes. Talked about remote content at the beginning, beginning of the um, thing, and I was having a chat with um, one of our long-term um, clients, someone called Rick Ellis from Distance Ed in uh, Victoria, who's been a, um, a great supporter and a, a great, I don't know what, what we could say, Rick, someone who, someone who pushes us along, pushes, pushes us to certain boundaries from time to time, which has been fabulous. Um, and we've got a few people out there now who sort of have been saying for a long time, when are we going to see something that allows us to build content and publish it remotely? Very soon we're going to be able to release a tool that allows you to do that. Um, when? <laughs> Early next year. 
the tool exists, but we haven't got it nicely interfaced so that people can um, use it. We're going to give you, we're going to do them for you, yeah. So I'm going to show you this. So basically, here's a course that um, we were looking at just a few minutes ago that I've put onto this, I think. I hope. And this course is, in fact, on your CD as well. So you can try these out for yourself. So there's two courses on the CD. Um, we'll have a look at that first aid course that we were just looking at. Uh, in this particular version of the, I'll explain a couple of things. In this particular version or implementation or the settings of this particular CD, we've said that there's no authentication here. So I can type in whatever I want to type in and it will uniquely identify me as a user on that, in this environment. However, I could change the settings on the CD to say you must authenticate via a web service back to our LMS before you're allowed to get into the CD or you um, must have a certain, meet a certain criteria in terms of what the username is or the password. If I do a launch, there's our course that sort of looks like um, what you might have seen in the LMS. But as you can see, we're running, definitely running off the file system, off the flash drive. Here's our content over here. We're moving around through the course. Now, some of these... Um, some of these items have got questions in them. Um, and I'm answering those questions and saving that content. So if I was to come back to that page, um, there's my answers, which is a bit strange, isn't it, if it's been running off a, running off a, a, a web, not a web page, but just um, a file because those files obviously are not changing as I move around. There's a glossary that's been imported, exported out of the glossary and is now sitting inside a flash object. Oh, and as I'm moving around, I could be ticking things. And my progress in my course is... I'm making, moving through the progress of the course. So this is a, a this, to explain what's going on here, this is a, what we, we've developed, a way in which we can provide a SCORM course on CD or on memory stick or over the network. And even though it's um, on the memory stick and over the network, and even though you don't have a learning management system, if you've built the pages using SCORM and they're interacting and, and then it will provide support for that. And where we've, take, where we've used our old components, our toolbox components inside the course, during the export process, we've transformed them into being SCORM components, which are then interacting with the SCORM server at the other end. And all of that information is being tracked. I can actually see when I went to each of the pages, whether I've completed those pages, um, whatever, I can move 
I've got a little diary system I can keep notes on each of the pages. And of course, when I build a CD, I can load up onto the CD as many courses as I wish to load up. So one CD might have one course, or it might have ten courses on it. Or it might have all of your students' course environments that you can jump between. But that information's been saved where? Well, it's been saved locally in your what's called your application data profile. So that, if I'm running just on standalone machine, that's somewhere on my C drive, hidden away in an encrypted form. If I was running on a network, it might be saved on my network. Um, it's based around my login on the, on the computer and it's also based around the login that I used over here. But another option that we have coming when, we, when this system is released is that you can actually synchronise that data back to the server. So when you finish doing the course, you can hit the synchronise button and that information, your answers to the questions, your tracking information gets sent back to the LMS and reported back in the database. So you can actually create an online version of your course and an offline version of the course and students can switch between the two. They can, answer some, they can do a test in the LMS, come over to the CD, do a synchronise and pull up those, those answers will come over into the CD version of that part of that process via the magic of web services. And that's where some of that really exciting stuff is coming from. So they're on your CD to have a play with. Unfortunately, today they only work in Internet Explorer, but when it's released they'll work in, um, in, in Firefox and Mozilla and Safari as well. Um, we're also working early days with portfolios. We see portfolios as being a very important um, function that we want to be able to provide in, in the future. And again, that will be seen as an alternative extension slash framework for what we're doing. And that's about it. I think it's about lunchtime. Thank you all. Well, there's some absolutely wonderful stuff there. I'm sure we've all got a thousand questions. Um, and I could take some pretty good prices, I think, as... Uh, a means of uh, getting some money for charity or something just to grab some time. But it is lunchtime. Wayne has sort of offered um, the tomorrow session that he's got there um, will be QA, open yeah. to Q&A. Yeah, question yeah, and answer. What we might do now, take that one minute, write down on your paper any questions you've got. If you haven't got a question, talk to the person next to you about how you might implement some of that technology in your learning environment. And when you finish that, we'll make our way outside to lunch. <laughs>